chapter thirty two of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray in which the printer's devil comes to the door pen in the midst of his revels and enjoyments humble as they were and moderate in cost if not in kind saw an awful sword hanging over him which must drop down before long and put an end to his frolics and feasting his money was very nearly spent his club subscription had carried away a third part of it he had paid for the chief articles of furniture with which he had supplied his little bedroom in fine he was come to the last five-pound note in his pocket-book and could think of no method of providing a successor for our friend had been bred up like a young prince as yet or as a child in arms whom his mother feeds when it cries out warrington did not know what his comrade's means were an only child with a mother at her country house and an old dandy of an uncle who dined with a great man every day pen might have a large bank at his command for anything that the other knew he had gold chains and a dressing-case fit for a lord his habits were those of an aristocrat not that he was expensive upon any particular point for he dined and laughed over the pint of porter and the plate of beef from the cook's shop with perfect content and good appetite but he could not adopt the pennywise precautions of life he could not give tuppence to a waiter he could not refrain from taking a cab if he had a mind to do so or if it rained and as surely as he took the cab he overpaid the driver he had a scorn for cleaned gloves and minor economies had he been bred to ten thousand a year he could scarcely have been more free-handed and for a beggar with a sad story or a couple of pretty piteous-faced children he never could resist putting his hand into his pocket it was a sumptuous nature perhaps that could not be brought to regard money a natural generosity and kindness and possibly a petty vanity that was pleased with praise even with the praise of waiters and cabmen i doubt whether the wisest of us know what our own motives are and whether some of the actions of which we are the very proudest will not surprise us when we trace them as we shall one day to their source warrington then did not know and pen had not thought proper to confide to his friend his pecuniary history that pen had been wild and wickedly extravagant at college the other was aware everybody at college was extravagant and wild but how great the son's expenses had been and how small the mother's means were points which had not been as yet submitted to mr warrington's examination at last the story came out while pen was grimly surveying the change for the last five-pound note as it lay upon the tray from the public-house by mr warrington's pot of ale it is the last rose of summer said pen its blooming companions have gone long ago and behold the last one 
of the garland has shed its leaves and he told warrington the whole story which we know of his mother's means of his own follies of laura's generosity during which time warrington smoked his pipe and listened intent impecuniosity will do you good pen's friend said knocking out the ashes at the end of the narration i don't know anything more wholesome for a man for an honest man mind you for another the medicine loses its effect than a state of tick it is an alterative and a tonic it keeps your moral man in a perpetual state of excitement as a man who is riding at a fence or has his opponent's single stick before him is forced to look his obstacle steadily in the face embraces himself to repulse or overcome it a little necessity brings out your pluck if you have any and nerves you to grapple with fortune you will discover what a number of things you can do without when you have no money to buy them you won't want new gloves and varnished boots eau de cologne and cabs to ride in you have been bred up as a mollycoddle pen and spoilt by the women a single man who has health and brains and can't find a livelihood in the world doesn't deserve to stay there let him pay his last halfpenny and jump over waterloo bridge let him steal a leg of mutton and be transported and get out of the country he is not fit to live in it dixie i have spoken give us another pull at the pale ale you have certainly spoken but how is one to live said pen there is beef and bread in plenty in england but you must pay for it with work or money and who will take my work and what work can i do warrington burst out laughing suppose we advertise in the times he said for an usher's place at a classical and commercial academy a gentleman b a of st boniface college and who was plucked for his degree confound you cried pen wishes to give lessons in classics and mathematics and the rudiments of the french language he can cut hair attend to the younger pupils and play a second on the piano with the daughters of the principal address a p lamb court temple go on said pen growling men take to all sorts of professions why there is your friend bloundel bloundel is a professional blackleg and travels the continent where he picks up young gentlemen of fashion and fleeces them there is bob o'toole with whom i was at school who drives the ballynafad mail now and carries honest jack finnecane's own correspondence to that city i know a man sir a doctor's son like well don't be angry i meant nothing offensive a doctor's son i say who was walking the hospitals here and quarrelled with his governor on questions of finance and what did he do when he came to his last five-pound note he let his mustachios grow went into a provincial town where he announced himself as professor spinitoo chiropodist to the emperor of all the russians and by a happy operation on the editor of the country newspaper established himself in practice and lived reputably for three years he has been reconciled to his family and has succeeded to his father's galley-pots hang galley-pots cried pen i can't drive a coach cut corns or cheat at cards there's nothing else you propose 
yes there's our own correspondent warrington said every man has his secrets look you before you told me the story of your money matters i had no idea but that you were a gentleman of fortune for with your confounded airs and appearance anybody would suppose you to be so from what you tell me about your mother's income it is clear that you must not lay any more hands on it you can't go on sponging upon the women you must pay off that trump of a girl laura is her name here is your health laura and carry a hod rather than ask for a shilling from home but how earn one asked pen how do i live think you said the other on my younger brother's allowance pendennis i have secrets of my own my boy and here warrington's countenance fell i made away with that allowance five years ago if i had made away with myself a little time before it would have been better i have played off my own bat ever since i don't want much money when my purse is out i go to work and fill it and then lie idle like a serpent or an indian until i have digested the mass look i begin to feel empty warrington said and showed pen a long lean purse with but a few sovereigns at one end of it but how do you fill it said pen i write said warrington i don't tell the world that i do so he added with a blush i do not choose that questions should be asked or perhaps i am an ass and don't wish it to be said that george warrington writes for bread but i write in the law reviews look here these articles are mine and he turned over some sheets i write in the newspaper now and then of which a friend of mine is editor and warrington going with pendennis to the club one day called for a file of the dawn and pointed with his finger silently to one or two articles which pen read with delight he had no difficulty in recognizing the style afterwards the strong thoughts and curt periods the sense the satire and the scholarship i am not up to this said pen with a genuine admiration of his friend's powers i know very little about politics or history warrington and have but a smattering of letters i can't fly upon such a wing as yours but you can on your own my boy which is lighter and soars higher perhaps the other said good-naturedly those little scraps and verses which i have seen of yours show me what is rare in these days a natural gift sir you needn't blush you conceited young jackanapes you have thought so yourself any time these ten years you have got the sacred flame a little of the real poetical fire sir i think and all our oil-lamps are nothing compared to that though ever so well trimmed you are a poet pen my boy and so speaking warrington stretched out his broad hand and clapped pen on the shoulder arthur was so delighted that the tears came into his eyes how kind you are to me warrington he said i like you old boy said the other i was devilish lonely in chambers and wanted somebody and the sight of your honest face somehow pleased me i liked the way you laughed at loughton that poor good little snob and in find the reason why i cannot tell but so it is young un i'm alone in the world sir and i wanted some one to keep me company and a glance of extreme kindness and melancholy passed out of warrington's dark eyes pen was too much pleased with his own thoughts to perceive the sadness of the friend who was complimenting him thank you warrington he said thank you for your friendship to me and and what you say about me i have often thought i was a poet i will be one i think i am one as you say so though the world mayn't is it 
is it the ariadne in naxos which you liked i was only eighteen when i wrote it or the prize poem warrington burst into a roar of laughter why you goose he yelled out of all the miserable weak rubbish i ever tried ariadne in naxos is the most mawkish and disgusting the prize poem is so pompous and feeble that i'm positively surprised sir it didn't get the medal you don't suppose that you are a serious poet do you and are going to cut out milton and aeschylus are you setting up to be a pindar you absurd little tomtit and fancy you have the strength and pinion which the theban eagle bear sailing with supreme dominion through the azure fields of air no my boy i think you can write a magazine article and turn a pretty copy of verses that's what i think of you by jove said pen bouncing up and stamping his foot i'll show you that i am a better man than you think for warrington only laughed the more and blew twenty-four puffs rapidly out of his pipe by way of reply to pen an opportunity for showing his skill presented itself before very long that eminent publisher mr bacon formerly bacon and bungay of paternoster row besides being the proprietor of the legal review in which mr warrington wrote and of other periodicals of note and gravity used to present to the world every year a beautiful gilt volume called the spring annual edited by the lady violet lebas and numbering amongst its contributors not only the most eminent but the most fashionable poets of our time young lord dodo's poems first appeared in this miscellany the honourable percy popjoy whose chivalrous ballads have obtained him such a reputation bedwin sands's eastern gazules and many more of the works of our young nobles were fast given to the world in the spring annual which has since shared the fate of other vernal blossoms and perished out of the world the book was daintily illustrated with pictures of reigning beauties or other prints of a tender and voluptuous character and as these plates were prepared long beforehand requiring much time in engraving it was the eminent poets who had to write to the plates and not the painters who illustrated the poems one day just when this volume was on the eve of publication it chanced that mr warrington called in paternoster row to talk with mr hack mr bacon's reader and general manager of publications for mr bacon not having the least taste in poetry or in literature of any kind wisely employed the services of a professional gentleman warrington then going into mr hack's room on business of his own found that gentleman with a bundle of proof plates and sheets of the spring annual before him and glanced at some of them percy popjoy had written some verses to illustrate one of the pictures which was called the church porch a spanish damsel was hastening to church with a large prayer-book a youth in a cloak was hidden in a niche watching this young woman the picture was pretty but the great genius of percy popjoy had deserted him for he had made the most execrable verses which ever were perpetrated by a young nobleman warrington burst out laughing as he read the poem and mr hack laughed too but with rather a rueful face it won't do he said the public won't stand it bungay's people are going to bring out a very good book and have set up miss bunyan against lady violet we have most titles to be sure but the verses are too bad lady violet herself owns it she's busy with her own poem what's to be done we can't lose the plate the governor gave sixty pounds for it 
i know a fellow who would do some verses i think said warrington let me take the plate home in my pocket and send to my chambers in the morning for the verses you'll pay well of course of course said mr hack and warrington having dispatched his own business went home to mr pen plate in hand now boy here's a chance for you turn me off a copy of verses to this what's this a church porch a lady entering it and a youth out of a wine-shop window ogling her what the deuce am i to do with it try said warrington earn your livelihood for once you who long so to do it well i will try said pen and i'll go out to dinner said warrington and left mr pen in a brown study when warrington came home that night at a very late hour the verses were done there they are said pen i've screwed em out at last i think they'll do i think they will said warrington after reading them they ran as follows the church porch although i enter not yet round about the spot sometimes i hover and at the sacred gate with longing eyes i wait expectant of her the minster bell tolls out above the city's rout and noise and humming they've stopped the chiming bell i hear the organ swell she's coming she's coming my lady comes at last timid and stepping fast and hastening hither with modest eyes downcast she comes she's here she's past may heaven go with her kneel undisturbed fair saint pour out your praise or plaint meekly and duly i will not enter there to sully your pure prayer with thoughts unruly but suffer me to pace round the forbidden place lingering a minute like outcast spirits who wait and see through heaven's gate angels within it have you got any more young fellow asked warrington we must make them give you a couple of guineas a page and if the verses are liked why you'll get an entree into bacon's magazines and may turn a decent penny pen examined his portfolio and found another ballad which he thought might figure with advantage in the spring annual and consigning these two precious documents to warrington the pair walked from the temple to the famous haunt of the muses and their masters paternoster row bacon's shop was an ancient low-browed building with a few of the books published by the firm displayed in the windows under a bust of my lord of verulam and the name of mr bacon in brass on the private door exactly opposite to bacon's house was that of mr bungay which was newly painted and elaborately decorated in the style of the seventeenth century so that you might have fancied stately mr evelyn passing over the threshold or curious mr pepys examining the books in the window warrington went into the shop of mr bacon but pen stayed without it was agreed that his ambassador should act for him entirely and the young fellow paced up and down the street in a very nervous condition until he should learn the result of the negotiation many a poor devil before him has trodden those flags with similar cares and anxieties at his heels his bread and his fame dependent upon the sentence of his magnanimous patrons of the row 
pen looked at all the wonders of all the shops and the strange variety of literature which they exhibit in this were displayed black-letter volumes and books in the clear pale types of aldous and elzevir in the next you might see the penny horrific register the halfpenny annals of crime and history of the most celebrated murderers of all countries the raft's magazine the larky swell and other publications of the penny press whilst at the next window portraits of ill-favoured individuals with facsimiles of the venerated signatures of the reverend grimes wapshot the reverend elias howell and the works written and the sermons preached by them showed the british dissenter where he could find mental pabulum hard by would be a little casement hung with emblems with medals and rosaries with little paltry prints of saints gilt and painted and books of controversial theology by which the faithful of the roman opinion might learn a short way to deal with protestants at a penny apiece or ninepence the dozen for distribution whilst in the very next window you might see come out of rome a sermon preached at the opening of the shepherd's bush college by john thomas lord bishop of ealing scarce in opinion but has its expositor and its place of exhibition in this peaceful old paternoster row under the toll of the bells of st paul pen looked in at all the windows and shops as a gentleman who is going to have an interview with the dentist examines the books on the waiting-room table he remembered them afterwards it seemed to him that warrington would never come out and indeed the latter was engaged for some time in pleading his friend's cause pen's natural conceit would have swollen immensely if he could but have heard the report which warrington gave of him it happened that mr bacon himself had occasion to descend to mr hack's room whilst warrington was talking there and warrington knowing bacon's weaknesses acted upon them with great adroitness in his friend's behalf in the first place he put on his hat to speak to bacon and addressed him from the table on which he seated himself bacon liked to be treated with rudeness by a gentleman and used to pass it on to his inferiors as boys pass the mark what not know mr pendennis mr bacon warrington said you can't live much in the world or you would know him a man of property in the west of one of the most ancient families in england related to half the nobility in the empire he's cousin to lord pontypool he was one of the most distinguished men at oxbridge he dines at gaunt house every week law bless me you don't say so sir well really law bless me now said mr bacon i've just been showing mr hack some of his verses which he sat up last night at my request to write and hack talks about giving him a copy of the book the what do you call em law bless me now does he the what do you call em indeed the spring annual is its name as payment for those verses you don't suppose that such a man as mr arthur pendennis gives up a dinner at gaunt house for nothing you know as well as anybody that the men of fashion want to be paid that they do mr warrington sir said the publisher i tell you he's a star he'll make a name sir he's a new man sir they've said that of so many of those young swells mr warrington the publisher interposed with a sigh there was lord viscount dodo now i gave his lordship a good bit of money for his poems and only sold eighty copies mr popjoy's hadgen court sir fell dead well then i'll take my man over to bungay warrington said 
and rose from the table this threat was too much for mr bacon who was instantly ready to accede to any reasonable proposal of mr warrington's and finally asked his manager what those proposals were when he heard that the negotiation only related as yet to a couple of ballads which mr warrington offered for the spring annual mr bacon said law bless you give him a cheque directly and with this paper warrington went out to his friend and placed it grinning in pen's hands pen was as elated as if somebody had left him a fortune he offered warrington a dinner at richmond instantly what should he go and buy for laura and his mother he must buy something for them they'll like the book better than anything else said warrington with the young one's name to the verses printed among the swells thank god thank god cried arthur i needn't be a charge upon the old mother i can pay off laura now i can get my own living i can make my own way i can marry the grand vizier's daughter i can purchase a house in belgrave square i can build a fine castle in the air said warrington pleased with the other's exultation well you may get bread and cheese pen and i own it tastes well the bread which you earn yourself they had a magnum of claret at dinner at the club that day at pen's charges it was long since he had indulged in such a luxury but warrington would not balk him and they drank together to the health of the spring annual it never rains but it pours according to the proverb so very speedily another chance occurred by which mr pen was to be helped in his scheme of making a livelihood warrington one day threw him a letter across the table which was brought by a printer's boy from captain shandon sir the little emissary said and then went and fell asleep on his accustomed bench in the passage he paid many a subsequent visit there and brought many a message to pen f p tuesday morning my dear sir bungay will be here to-day about the pall-mell gazette you would be the very man to help us with a genuine west end article you understand dashing trenchant and darned aristocratic lady hipshaw will be right but she's not much you know and we've two lords but the less they do the better we must have you we'll give you your own terms and we'll make a hit with the gazette shall b come and see you or can you look in upon me here ever yours c s some more opposition warrington said when pen had read the note bungay and bacon are at daggers drawn each married the sister of the other and they were for some time the closest friends and partners hack says it was mrs bungay who caused all the mischief between the two whereas shandon who reads for bungay a good deal says mrs bacon did the business but i don't know which is right peachum or locket but since they have separated it is a furious war between the two publishers and no sooner does one bring out a book of travels or poems a magazine or periodical quarterly or monthly or weekly or annual but the rival is in the field with something similar i've heard poor shandon tell with great glee how he made bungay give a grand dinner at blackwall to all his writers by saying that bacon had invited his corps to an entertainment at greenwich when bungay engaged your celebrated friend mr wagg to edit the londoner bacon straightway rushed off and secured mr grindle to give his name to the westminster magazine when bacon brought out his comic irish novel of barney brolligan off went bungay to dublin and produced his rollicking hibernian story of looney mactwalter when dr hicks brought out his wanderings in mesopotamia under bacon's auspices bungay produced professor sandeman's researches in zahara and bungay is publishing his pell-mell gazette as a counterpoise to bacon's whitehall review 
let us go and hear about the gazette there may be a place for you in it pen my boy we will go and see shandon we are sure to find him at home where does he live asked pen in the fleet prison warrington said and very much at home he is there too he is the king of the place pen had never seen this scene of london life and walked with no small interest in at the grim gate of that dismal edifice they went through the anteroom where the officers and janitors of the place were seated and passing in at the wicket entered the prison the noise in the crowd the life in the shouting the shabby bustle of the place struck and excited pen people moved about ceaselessly and restless like caged animals in a menagerie men were playing at fives others pacing and tramping this one in colloquy with his lawyer in dingy black that one walking sadly with his wife by his side and a child on his arm some were arrayed in tattered dressing-gowns and had a look of rakish fashion everybody seemed to be busy humming and on the move pen felt as if he choked in the place and as if the door being locked upon him they never would let him out they went through a court up a stone staircase and through passages full of people and noise and cross lights and black doors clapping and banging pen feeling as one does in a feverish morning dream at last the same little runner who had brought shandon's note and had followed them down fleet street munching apples and who showed the way to the two gentlemen through the prison said this is the captain's door and mr shandon's voice from within bade them enter the room though bare was not uncheerful the sun was shining in at the window near which sat a lady at work who had been gay and beautiful once but in whose faded face kindness and tenderness still beamed through all his errors and reckless mishaps and misfortunes this faithful creature adored her husband and thought him the best and cleverest as indeed he was one of the kindest of men nothing ever seemed to disturb the sweetness of his temper not debts not duns not misery not the bottle not his wife's unhappy position or his children's ruined chances he was perfectly fond of wife and children after his fashion he always had the kindest words and smiles for them and ruined them with the utmost sweetness of temper he never could refuse himself or any man any enjoyment which his money could purchase he would share his last guinea with jack and tom and we may be sure he had a score of such retainers he would sign his name at the back of any man's bill and never pay any debt of his own he would write on any side and attack himself or another man with equal indifference he was one of the wittiest the most amiable and the most incorrigible of irishmen nobody could help liking charlie shandon who saw him once and those whom he ruined could scarcely be angry with him when penn and warrington arrived the captain he had been in an irish militia regiment once and the title remained with him was sitting on his bed in a torn dressing-gown with a desk on his knees at which he was scribbling as fast as his rapid pen could write slip after slip of paper fell off the desk wet on to the ground a picture of his children was hung up over his bed and the youngest of them was pattering about the room opposite the captain sat mr bungay a portly man of stolid countenance with whom the little child had been trying a conversation papa's a very clever man said she mamma says so oh very said mr bungay and you're a very rich man mr bundy cried the child who could hardly speak plain mary said mamma from her work oh never mind bungay roared out with a great laugh no harm in saying i'm rich he he i'm pretty well off my little dear if you're rich why don't you take papa out of 
prison asked the child mamma at this began to wipe her eyes with the work on which she was employed the poor lady had hung curtains up in the room had brought the children's picture and placed it there and had made one or two attempts to ornament it mamma began to cry mr bungate turned red and looked fiercely out of his bloodshot little eyes shandon's pen went on and pen and warrington arrived with their knock captain shandon looked up from his work how do you do mr warrington he said i'll speak to you in a minute please sit down gentlemen if you can find places and away went the pen again warrington pulled forward an old portmanteau the only available seat and sat down on it with a bow to mrs shandon and a nod to bungay the child came and looked at pen solemnly and in a couple of minutes the swift scribbling ceased and shandon turning the desk over on the bed stooped and picked up the papers i think this will do said he it's the prospectus for the pell-mell gazette and here's the money for it mr bungay said laying down a five-pound note i'm as good as my word i am when i say i'll pay i pay faith that's more than some of us can say said shandon and he eagerly clapped the note into his pocket End of chapter thirty two